In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. They were watching Jesus carefully. They were not watching Jesus carefully because they were trying to break the magician's code. They were watching Jesus carefully because they wanted to find a reason to get rid of him. If they catch Jesus not remembering the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, they accuse him of not keeping God's law. They have a motive to hand him over to the Romans for crucifixion. They keep their power and their authority while ridding their people of this meddlesome rabbi. Even worse, though, they gut God's law of its intent. One of my favorite things to do in youth and adult con, con, uh, confirmation is to ask the children or the adults to summarize the Ten Commandments in one word. You think about that. I'll give you some time. I'll, I'll have the Jeopardy think tune playing in my head here as I give you just a second to think of how you can summarize the Ten Commandments in one word. I often hear these words, and maybe they're the ones springing to mind right now. Obey. Do. Or even law. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. All these answers, wrong. The lawyer who asks Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In Luke chapter 10, gives the correct answer when he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I cheated. It's not one word. But the one word here is love. Do this. Love God and love your neighbor and you will live. The scribes and Pharisees closely watching Jesus while he eats and while he heals a man of dropsy may know everything there is to know about the law. And in fact, they have even added to the law through its interpretation. Jesus hints of this in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. For the scribes and Pharisees now, there is more to murder than just murder. There must also be judgment with murder. Now, even if you don't have a judge stashed in your closet, you love to play the judge. It's not enough, you see, to break a law. You must also sit in judgment over the person to make sure that they know they transgress the law, whether or not you're given even to judge the person. The finger of shame and blame is easily pointed at your neighbor. And what is more, now we practice canceling. It's not enough for them to do something wrong. We have to cut them out of society. We have to make sure that they receive no livelihood. And then we give them a suitable period of punishment. And then give them a year, maybe two, and they'll be back on the comeback trail. And all is forgiven until the next time they screw up. But what about when that finger of doom is poked at you? Oh, you'll quickly ask for some leniency that is slow to come, if it ever comes. Leniency, you see, is for wimps. You, when you judge, want the book thrown. And not just one book, the whole library. 
every library, everywhere. And when you're done throwing all the books, you'll pick them up and throw them at them again and again and again. What is lacking in the scribes and the Pharisees in Luke chapter 14 and what is lacking in you and me this day as well when we deal with others, beloved, is love. Love should be the interpretation of all laws. When there is no love in the law, harm is done to the other person. When love, though, is the reason for the law, then I help my neighbor, protect him, honor her, and do what I would want done to me. St. Luke does not tell us whether the man with dropsy was planted by the scribes and Pharisees, or if he just wandered into this Sabbath meal. All we know is there he was, and every eye was on our Lord, wondering what he would do. What he did do was teach those present, then and us today, that the Sabbath is not about sitting absolutely perfectly still, like you try to tell children and grandchildren to do in church and they fail every time. And doing nothing. The Sabbath for Jesus is about love. Chiefly love of God and holding his word sacred. And gladly hearing and learning this word. Jesus said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? Jesus here moves from the greater thing to the lesser thing when he mentions first a son, some translations say a donkey, and then an ox. So let's bring this question into the 21st century. Which of you having a child or an animal or a house or a barn that is in grave danger on Sunday morning or on Monday evening will not immediately tend to the problem. Now, the way of the scribes and the Pharisees here is to let the child or the animal die, or to let the house or barn burn to the ground in a fire or some other act of destruction. You can picture it, a child crying for help, and you respond, Sorry, son. Oh, it's 6.15, and I've got to get to church right now. Uh, Sorry, daughter. Uh, I see that you're in deep trouble down there, and you're probably going to die, but uh, can't you see I'm doing my devotions right now, and I've got to finish this psalm, and it's really long, and I just started. Can you give me another five, ten minutes? An animal is about to give birth, and you won't tend to it because you're busy reading your portals of prayer devotion first. Your barn with animals and implements is burning. Your life's work. But pastor is here to commune you. And I I just don't want to disappoint pastor by not taking communion and then giving him, you know, cookies and coffee when he's there. And I've got to be hospitable. Uh, The barn can wait. (laughs) These examples may be far-fetched, but they're consistent. Consistent with the intent of the scribes and Pharisees. Who cares about people or things being hurt? Who cares about love? There is a Sabbath to be kept holy. Let the man with dropsy wait until after sundown. He's had the condition this long. A few more hours of suffering is not going to hurt the guy. You see the upside down ways of lacking love? 
Christ deals with the Sabbath here in a way that lets it serve people. When it comes to missing church or saving a life, saving a life comes first. Hearing, preaching, and meditating on God's word can wait. Now here's the pickle. Be careful that you don't make every little thing more important than hearing preaching and hearing God's word in this house. And it's very easy to do. All of a sudden, life or death emergencies look like trimming bushes, mowing the lawn, doing laundry, and other menial tasks when no lives are in danger. That can wait a little while while you rest. Rest in sermon, song, and sacrament. This healing of the man with dropsy, and by the way, dropsy is uh, an edema. It's a, it's a disease where water builds up inside of you and it stretches your skin, and it's very, very painful. This healing also gives us pause to consider how our Lord Christ loves sinners, loves sinners like you and me. In a few weeks, believe it or not, it's going to be Advent, and we'll sing, Love Caused Your Incarnation. Love brought you down to me. Your thirst for my salvation procured my liberty. O love beyond all telling that led you to embrace in love, all love excelling our lost and fallen race. As we see it, beloved, our Heavenly Father has every right to let us wallow in our sins and work it out for ourselves. He could also show us tough love and ignore our cries for mercy and righteousness. Or he could give us our just desserts and let us have it our way. He doesn't. He loves his creation too much to let it let us have it our way. Someone must come to us and take our dropsy away. That someone is Jesus. He comes to us where we are, how we are. Jesus does not first ask you to have the carpet vacuumed, the home dusted, and everything put away properly in its own place before he shows up. He wants to see you as you are, how you are. And oftentimes... We are sick, not necessarily physically sick, spiritually sick, sick unto death. That's how he wants to see us. And when he sees us, he loves us. He loves us by taking on all of our sins upon himself. And what does he give us in return? He gives us his holiness. His righteousness, his healing, his cleansing blood. He sets us free and sends us into the world to love others as we first are loved by him. And the need of our neighbor is always before us. And yeah, we're going to foul that one up too. We're going to mess up and we're not going to see that. Or we're going to select and pick and choose which neighbor we want to help and what we want to do. And there are other times, though, that we're going to be in the right place at the right time 
to do the right thing. And the thing about that is, when it happens, you will not realize that you were in the right place at the right time doing the right thing to the right person until after the fact. And it may be a very long time after the fact before you realize it. And maybe it has happened to you when you have been in that position too. In all times, Christ's mercy covers us and our neighbor. And his boundless love, beloved, is enough. He sets a table even before us in the presence of our enemies. He bids us, move up higher. Sit by me. I got a spot for you right here. Place of honor. You're the invited guest. Come. Let me pull your chair back and let you sit down and I will feed you with the bread of life. Watch Jesus carefully, beloved, here in Luke chapter 14. But don't watch in the way of the scribe and the Pharisee to trap him. But to see him rescue a man with dropsy, rescuing him from death to life. Watch Jesus also carefully here and in your homes too. As you pick up his word and read it, as you meditate on his word every day, to see him, to hear him in preaching and his word rescue you from sin and death to eternal life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.